Welcome, everyone. We have a lot to get to in this episode, a lot of exciting things to talk about. First of all, my portfolio, the Story Fund here, this is a tech portfolio that I started late 2020, early 2021, and it's just getting crushed. So we're going to take a look at this. I'll give you some thoughts on it. The rest of the market, though, is not doing well today. So it's not exactly unique to my portfolio. We have the NASDAQ down 3%, the Russell 2K down 3.38%. The S&P 500 down 2% and the Dow Jones down 1.4%. You can see on the S&P 500 right here, just across the board, this tree map shows it. There's really only one category that's holding up okay. Well, you might count healthcare in there. So healthcare and consumer defensive, they're holding up okay today. Everything else is just getting crushed, big tech included. Uh, Across the board, most of your portfolios, unless you have very specific ones, are not having a good time. Now, We're going to be discussing this as well as Palantir's earnings report. I'll give you my thoughts on it. We also have some interesting things to look at, like this note from the CEO of Uber to their company. I think it's highly reflective of the entire market environment right now. In fact, I think the single Uber note really summarizes it. So we'll be going through that. And then we have some other charts and graphs that we'll be looking at that I think are are very applicable to this market. So as always, we have a lot to discuss. Let's go ahead and jump right in. Like I said, I have two portfolios. The Story Fund is a tech-centered growth portfolio that I track every single week and I benchmark it against the S&P 500. It's not all of my net worth or all of my money. I have another portfolio called the Passive Income Account that I track on a different channel that is a dividend growth portfolio. So on this one, my goal is to outperform the S&P 500. That's kind of the experiment that I'm running. And I gave myself until the end of 2025. That's when I want to beat it by that point in time. Now, Right now, it's not going well. This is a tech-centered growth portfolio where I focus not just on growth at any cost, but I'm trying to really put an emphasis on companies that are growing, but they also generate enormous amounts of free cash flow. So Amazon, Google, Microsoft, uh, you know, I have all of big tech in here. I'm basically all in on big tech, as well as a few other companies like Salesforce, Adobe, Alibaba, Netflix. So I have a, a few other in there that I have some big weightings. But Overall, again, this is a tech growth portfolio. I'm focusing on high free cash flow businesses that I think can stand on their own two legs. Even if the cost of capital and the interest rates and inflation run higher, I think these companies will do well. So that's the reason that I continue to stick with them despite the market selling selling out of them like crazy. Now, right now, the portfolio is being hit really hard. Just today, I'm down 2.83%. This is moving around like crazy. It's down 3%, 2%. You know, it's trading every two seconds. But that's another $2,600 just today. And that's how it's been like the last, you know, the last month I'm down 25%. So $30,000. So the majority of losses have been just over the past 30 days. But regardless, overall, we're now down $39,000 on this portfolio. If I compare this against the S&P 500, which I track every single deposit at the same time periods, if I deposit money into my portfolio... I act as if I put that same money into the S&P 500. So as you can see with the story fund being the blue line, the S&P 500 being the red line, the story fund has actually been ahead of the S&P 500 the majority of the time since the start. It was beating it throughout 2020 and 2021 ever so slightly, but at least keeping up with the S&P 500. And then a dramatic change happened come November of 2021. So late 2021, we have a few major factors change. First of all, investors decide that they no longer have any tolerance for money losing companies. If your company is a money losing company that has profits in the future and and big ambitious promises and dreams of the future, investors don't care. 
They want money right now, real money, undiluted free cash flow generative companies today, not in the future. That's the first thing that happened in November of 2021. They have no longer, investors have no longer any tolerance for money losing companies. And I'll show examples of that and different things companies are doing right now to radically try to become free cash flow positive. But another thing happened. You looked at the Fed. The Fed is raising interest rates. Inflation's out of control. Uh, this concerns investors with tech stocks. So tech stocks in general start to trade down significantly more than other companies like the oil trade, the defenses, the co- commodities, the pharmaceutical companies. Tech stocks in general get hit worse than the rest of the environment. And then we also have increased fears of recession. Because the Fed is raising interest rates, they're trying to thread this needle. They're trying to do the soft landing, and that seems like it's going to be very difficult to do. So between the Fed raising interest rates, the chance of a a recession, and we have the issue with the whole money-losing companies that no longer investors want, you see the divergence start to happen November of 2021, and my portfolio starts to trade down more than the S&P 500. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now, don't get me wrong. It doesn't look that dramatic, but the S&P 500 went from 25% in the green to 2%. So it's given up all of its gains, but my portfolio has traded down to 28% in the red. And that's because of a lot of different companies I hold like Amazon and Netflix and, and the rest of big tech. They're not faring well right now. Now, you might be wondering, why is this story fund? Why is this portfolio down 28%, almost 30% when I started it? late 2020. Shouldn't it be kind of flat or down maybe like 5 to 10%? That's kind of true if you didn't take into account when I actually built up the majority of this portfolio, when I actually deposited the majority of money. And this is the unfortunate problem, right? So I did in fact start this portfolio the last two months of 2020. I put in $37,000 to kick it off. That was my initial deposit. And had I just stopped there and didn't deposit any more money, my performance would be pretty good. It'd probably be like, you know, I'd be kind of flat right now. I wouldn't be losing $30,000, right? So it'd be decent. I would have just preserved the amount of money that I, that I initially deposited. Unfortunately, I was reading the same reports as everyone else. Inflation was 7 8%. And I have money sitting in savings thinking, you know what? I'm young and I'm going to guarantee to lose 8% of my money in one year, letting it sit in cash with no interest rate, right? So that's just a guaranteed loss. And I realized that I could lose money in the market, but at least I have a chance of upside, right? And having a longer investment time horizon, I just thought, you know what, I'm going to risk it in the market, take my money out of savings, put it in, the, uh, in all these different companies. And I put $57,000 in during the middle of 2020 during kind of the peak part of the market. We look at the QQQ, the middle of 2020 was kind of the highest part of the market. So this money right here, this $57,000 that was deposited in 2021, was in hindsight at like the worst time. I was buying a lot of these companies right before they started to tumble. Now, of course, if I could go back in time, I wouldn't have put this additional $57,000 into the market during 2021, right? I wouldn't have bought at the high, but that's the way things work. Hindsight's 2020. 
I had no clue what the market's going to do in the future. For all I know, it could have gone up 30%. It could have gone down 20%. Nobody knows. So that's the unfortunate problem with reality. You can't see the future. You can't go back in time. So I made a decision to take a lot of money out of savings, put it into the market. It wasn't the right decision in hindsight, but that's where we are right now. Now, going forward, I'm going to be doing the same thing that I've always done, which is to not try to time the market, but just invest through thick and thin continually. Keep dollar cost averaging in. And I plan on doing that more the second half of this year. I've already bought $33,000 of stocks this year. I'll continue to buy more and through 2023 and 2024 and so on and so forth, because this is a tough year so far. In fact, it's one of the worst years on record. And I don't think every year is going to be like this. So maybe it will be like this for the next year or two, but I don't think it'll be like this for the next 10 years. I think eventually the market will want to own these highly profitable free cash flow generative companies. And when they do, I'll already have a significant stake at, I think, very low prices. So even though right now losing this money, $38,000 in the red is not fun. I'd rather have the market go up every single day. And this can be, you know, it requires a certain temperament, a certain emotion to keep a level head and not do anything rash. That's the challenge here. But I'm not going to do that. I'm going to stick to my plan, continue dollar cost averaging into these companies, and we'll see how this goes over the next few years. We'll go through it together. So uh, that's the update for now. Let's go ahead and move on to some news. Now, the first bit of news is not fun news for Palantir investors. Palantir plunges 20% on weak revenue guidance and an earnings miss. Now, I haven't gone over in-depth in this earnings report, but I did look at one part of it, which is something that I always look at with this earnings report. Uh, it is true that they had weak revenue guidance and That's a big no-no in this market. You have to have extremely strong earnings and extremely strong guidance to have just a flat result, just to have the market not trade down. So on this weak guidance and earnings miss, they're going to go down 20%. But another thing I look at with Palantir, and I think what's caused the big issue of this stock over the timeline of it, because if we look at it right now, it's from its IPO, it's down 16%. So no investor in this one is in the green unless they've timed the buy and sell properly, unless they bought it at IPO and sold it after its big run up, right? If you just held it from IPO, you're in the red, just like you are with so many other companies at this point. But the big issue that I've always highlighted with Palantir and the reason that I've stayed away from the stock is I'm putting a strong preference on companies that don't dilute the shareholder to a huge extent. When I look at this type of chart, and I see the shares outstanding for Palantir increase this much over time, that is concerning. The shares outstanding went from $1.72 billion in 2020, $1.72 billion to $2.027 billion. Year over year, with their latest quarterly report, year over year, they had 11% share dilution. You own 11% less of the company because the shares outstanding continue to increase. That is a problem for investors, and the market doesn't want anything to do with this. And it's true that they have some free cash flow growth, so they are growing some free cash flow, but when you factor in share dilution, it's not enough. The market is not rewarding these type of companies anymore. So Palantir, unfortunately, faces the same situation so many other companies do right now. They could get away with this dilution maybe like a year or two ago, not today. Today's market's not rewarding these type of companies. They have to have undiluted free cash flow generation. They have to have real earnings. If we look at the earnings reports, uh, I think they earn like two cents or something. You know, it, it's just, it's not enough, right? This company's earning barely any money um, any way that you look at it. It's really not a, a cash flow generative company. So that's kind of my quick take on Palantir. Right now, I have really no interest in jumping in this company. 
I wish the investors sincerely the best in it. I hope that it turns around, but uh, I think it's a difficult situation to be in. Now, moving on, the next news item is this email, this note that the CEO of Uber sent to his team and his company. I was very impressed by this email from the the CEO. I I don't know too much about him. Um, I'm not invested in Uber. The stock has been having a very difficult time this year. It's down 45%. So they're facing a lot of pressures. And like many of these companies, like the Palantirs, Spotify, Uber, so on and so forth, if they're not generating real profits, they're getting crushed right now. And the CEO of Uber has his response. And again, I think it really is the best response and summarizes what's going on with the market. He says... After earnings, I spent several days meeting investors in New York and Boston. It's clear that the market is experiencing a seismic shift and we need to react accordingly. There's a seismic shift going on. My meetings were super clarifying and I wanted to share some thoughts with all of you. As you read them, please bear in mind that while investors don't run the company, they do own the company. That's a CEO that I like his perspective. He's accurately defining the relationship there. Investors do not run the company, but they own the company. That's a CEO that understands the relationship of the investors and the executives. He says they do own the company and they've entrusted us with running it well. We get to set the strategy and make the decisions, but we need to do so in a way that ultimately serves our shareholders and their long-term interests. And then he goes on and outlines what investors are looking for. And I really think he nails it here. In times of uncertainty, investors look for safety. They recognize that we are a scaled leader in our categories, but they don't know how much that's worth. Channeling Jerry Maguire, we need to show them the money. We have made a ton of progress in terms of profitability, setting a target for $5 billion in adjusted EBITDA in 2024, but the goalposts have changed. Now it's about free cash flow. We can and should get there fast. That's what he says. It's now about free cash flow. There will be companies that will put their heads in the sand and are slow to pivot. The tough truth is that many of them will not survive. So right there, that highlighted portion, he says that now it's about free cash flow. Now, obviously, it's always been about free cash flow. Companies have always been about earning cash flow in the futures. But instead of putting that cash flow some point in the long-term future, investors want it now. And I'm in that same group. I've decided ultimately uh, that unless a company is going to be free cash flow immediately in the future, like within the next year, I'm not investing in it. So I agree with the Uber CEO here. Investors want free cash flow. Investing is always about cash flow, but the timeline of when you're going to get it is closer. No investor wants to look at free cash flow five to 10 years in the future anymore. So in my opinion, this Uber CEO's dead on. He's perfectly accurate. Investors want free cash flow generative companies today. Companies that can prove that they can generate real profits today, not five years in the future, not 10 years in the future. We're done with that environment. And frankly, with the Fed and the changes with the economy, I think this might last for a prolonged period of time. So this is the reason why I've looked at different companies that I used to hold early on in this portfolio early in 2021. And I've exited out of a lot of these positions. I no longer hold them. And I have a huge emphasis on companies that will generate meaningful free cash flows over the next year. Twilio is one of the companies that if you look at when it was founded, this company is not a brand new, you know, young tech company. It was founded in 2008, 14 years ago. But yet Twilio has never generated any meaningful free cash flow. Look at this chart over time. The last three quarters, the free cash flow is negative while they're diluting the shareholder at the same time. So even though their revenue is growing at pace and it's growing and it looks like a beautiful chart here, I'm not 
going to be investing in this company anymore. The only time I'll be investing in it is if they can generate real undiluted free cash flow, if they can prove that they can grow that over time. As much as I like the company, I'm no longer investing in them unless they can generate real profits. Another example we can look at is Spotify here. Spotify was founded in 2006. So the company is what, 16 years old, right? It's not a new platform. It's not a new startup company. They really have no excuse anymore to not be generating free cash flow, to be a profitable company. They've been around for a decade and a half and still Spotify generates really no meaningful free cash flow. It looks positive here like a little bit. You know, these are 100 million, 72 million, 41 million for a $20 billion company. Then you factor in dilution and they're diluting the shareholder as well. When you factor in the dilution, the free cash flow is not meaningful. The earnings of Spotify are basically non-existent. So this company has had 16 years to generate a profit. And then I read tweets from the CEO that he doesn't address this problem at all. He just says, we're going to continue to scale the platform. We're not focused on profits. And, you know, down the road, five or 10 years, we might focus on profits. So as much as I like Spotify as a product, I really do love the service. I swapped Spotify for Facebook. I went back into Facebook. I'm all in on big tech now because Facebook is trading at a 17 PE and this company generates real money, undiluted real money. They're generating eight plus billion dollars in free cash flow per quarter and they're buying back their shares. And guess what? I don't even like Facebook. I like Spotify way more. As a product, I don't even use Facebook, right? I use a little bit of Instagram, but I really never log on to Facebook. I don't really like the, the social media aspect of people just arguing about politics and petty little things. So Facebook's a company where I don't even like the product that much, but the numbers don't lie. The company's still growing. They're at a very cheap price and they're free cash flow generative. So even though I like Spotify more than Facebook, I swapped those two holdings to focus on a company that can generate profits. Another one I'll mention is Palantir. Palantir was founded in 2003. I don't think a lot of investors in this company realize how old it is. This isn't some new startup tech company just because it IPO'd a, a year ago. The company was founded in 2003. That's when it started. It's been 19 years and they really generate no profits. They reward their employees with massive amounts of shares, uh, options. That's how they have it. So they have no debt. The company's not free cash flow generative to any meaningful extent. It's not profitable. And the big question for investors should be, if you're invested in these companies, when are they going to produce real cash flows, real money to return to the shareholder? When are they going to stop diluting shareholders 2%, 3% quarter over quarter, 10%, 11% year over year? I think that's the question that a lot of a lot of people are now asking themselves. And hopefully it's soon. Hopefully they'll generate real money soon. But if they haven't done it in 19 years, do you really think they're going to do it next year? Is that the year they're going to do it? I don't know. It's just something to ask. Now, there's a couple more charts I want to show because I think they're just incredible. This one is from Ben Carlson of Twitter, and it shows the top 20 companies in the S&P 500 year to date, their year to date performance. Only six of them are in the green year to date six of the top 20 companies. So if your companies are being sold off, you're not alone. The majority of them are. We have Berkshire in the green. So the Warren Buffett oil companies are going up. Johnson & Johnson's barely in the green at 3.8%. We have Walmart hanging in there at 4.1%. ExxonMobil up 51%. The oil trade is going strong. Chevron up 47%. And Eli Lilly and company up 7.9%. Those are the top ones that are in the green. Now, if we look at this, just in terms of big tech with Tesla included, 
they're down an average of 25% just here today. So all of big tech across the board is selling off, Apple included, even Microsoft, but especially Amazon and Tesla and, and Google. They're selling off like crazy. Then we also have Facebook here down 40% year to date. So Facebook has been completely crushed. So across the board, even the, the different PE ratios, these companies are getting hit. If you're having your portfolio get crushed right now, again, you're not alone. Most people, unless you're heavily in the consumer defensive and oil companies, most people are going to have their portfolios getting crushed over the past couple of months. So I think this is the big takeaway. This graph shows a very wide sample size of different time periods through all different market cycles and your returns based on length and time that you invest in the stock market, okay? And what it clearly illustrates is the longer that you have your money in the market, the probabilities of making money go up significantly to nearly 100%. But in the short term, in the daily basis, if you're trading like Wall Street, if you're putting money in day by day, focused on CNBC, right? If you're looking at the the different apps that show you what's going on today, or if you're looking at CNBC TV, if you're looking at the Wall Street Journal, if you're paying attention to day trader accounts on Twitter, that's where everyone here is playing. Wall Street plays daily. They look at the stock market on a daily basis. And if you're looking at this territory on a day-by-day basis, you have a 56% chance of making money, slightly ahead of a coin flip. So you may as well go to Vegas, go to something like the slot machines that have a 50% chance of making money or losing money and play that. You only have slightly better odds in the stock market. And that's by virtue of companies being economic machines that generate profits over time and typically they go up. So the odds are slightly better than gambling when you're playing the stock market daily. And this is where the huge majority of people are focused with their time and attention and energy. I see this in my comment section as well. Everybody says that any company I buy, if it goes down the next day, that that was a bad investment. That's literally a lot of comments that I receive now. This was a bad investment because last month it was a higher price. That is a day-to-day focus as an investor. And again, if you're focused on the daily, you have a 56% chance of making money, a 44% chance of losing it. That is a huge probability of losing money on a daily basis. Now, if you extend this to only one year, your chances of making money go up significantly. Over a year time period since 1928 to 2021, you had a 75% chance of making money. Three out of four. It's still a gamble. You still have a 25% chance of losing money, but at least your odds are increased, at least historically looking significantly from 56% to 75%. Now extend that to five years. Again, the odds of making money go up significantly from 75% to 88%. Then when we get to the 10-year territory, the odds of making money when investing in the market for a 10-year period is 95%. Meaning that out of many 10-year-long periods, there's only been a 5% chance that you actually lose money. You had to invest right at the peak of the dot-com bubble uh, to lose money you know, over a 10-year period. So very unlikely. I would say very unlikely, especially if you're dollar-cost averaging and continually buying. Now, if you increase that to a 20-year period, your odds of making money, historically speaking, go to 100%. There has literally never been a period of time between 1928 and 2021 where any investor has lost money buying the market over a 20-year period. Never, not once. And especially over 30 years and 40 years, the odds even go down further because even though we might see this sometime in the future, it's very unlikely for 30 years. So the idea of this is to not focus on the daily. Even though we talk about it and we share thoughts on it every single day, to not invest that way. 
Hold these companies long-term. Hold the indexes long-term. If you're invested in an ETF and it's going down every day, just hang on. Your odds go up significantly of making money every single time period. From one year to five year to 10 year to 20 year, it goes up and up and up till you get to 100%. Historically speaking, 100% chance of making money. So that's all for now. Best of luck to all of you, and I'll see you in the next one.